Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, come on, let's give Jesus a great, 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 great shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just do this, just do this on Vision Sunday. Just lift your right hand in the air. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that your anointing is present in this house. Right now, I take my right hand and I place it over my eyes. And I prophesy that this year, 2024, I will become 2020 more vision, purpose, alignment, destiny for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Give someone a high five. This, this church is lit. I'm a grandfather now, so you're probably thinking, I don't even know what that means, but I still have a teenage daughter who would be rolling her eyes right now. Oh, Dad. Oh, my gosh. Well, what an honor to be back here with you beautiful people, and uh, I've got a really great word for you this morning, but... Um, on your seat, you should have found a vision card, Vision Sunday. And if you look on the back, you'll find, oh my gosh, hang on, where's the, where's the, where's the vision of the church? Um, it, honestly, if, I've, if, if we have to do one day a year, will we tell you the vision of the church? Sadly, that's what most places do. And I'm kind of like, if, if, if it's not evident, every real, then we're doing this thing wrong. I don't need to tell you the vision of the church. You'll hear it every week, every week. You'll see it. You'll see the mission. You'll see the vision. Uh, but, but Vision Sunday is Vision Sunday because we, we want you to have a vision. We want you to get a vision for your life. Now, let me just tell you this. When, um, when we first started this, I had pastors. And because my dad was an atheist, I didn't grow up in church. So I didn't know how I was, how, how I was supposed to behave when I became a Christian. I had none of the, you know, religious accoutrements to kind of get me down a particular lane. I just found, I met Jesus on a beach. So I'm, wow, okay, so he's, a, he's an out-of-the-box God. He didn't wait for me to come to his house. He came looking for me. Almost like there's a scripture where he leaves a 99 to go, go after the one. And uh, so, so when I began to share about, you know, Vision Sunday, they're like, oh, that's dangerous. I had one pastor say, you know, pastor, more than one vision is die vision. There's a, there's a brilliant quote, and it goes like this. It says, in the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Insecurity and ego are two things that, that wreck pastors and leaders. 
If you're insecure, threatened by others, threatened by success, threatened by people rising up, you're, you're not a great leader. That's a soul. And ego is the, the other end of the extreme. I, I determined very, very early on that I wanted to be obedient to my assignment. And my assignment was to raise up people with vision. That I wouldn't have a congregation of people, they're all blind and I'm a one-eyed king. But I have people who are visionaries and leaders. Could it get messy? Yeah. But I'm willing to put up with some messy. But what I found actually it's done the opposite. When people discover that they can put their roots down in a house that champions visionaries, that empowers visionaries, that releases visionaries, it's done the exact opposite. It's done the exact opposite. So let me just say this. In, uh, in, in this house, you, you will find that uh, our, our desire is discipleship. Our, our mission is discipleship to disciple you what is discipleship it's it's more than development it's it's empowerment it's empowerment uh if i if i look back over my my 30 gosh 38 years now as a christian it's it's interesting there's a, there was a, a very sad pattern that i've seen i still see it today of people come up and they'll, they'll introduce themselves as hey pastor i'm a bishop i'm an apostle i'm a prophet you know, I'm a man of God. You know, I'm a, and, and they'll, they'll introduce their way forward. And it's not that it's not that they don't have an anointing or a gifting or whatever. It's just that they're they're they're, they're trying to, and it make, it breaks my heart. It breaks heaven's heart because where where did we where did it kind of go sideways, pear shaped? where you weren't being developed, where the gifts are inside of you, someone else wasn't calling out, and someone else wasn't recognizing, and somebody else wasn't developing. The church is meant to be the greatest empower of people on the planet. I always, I always love a, a, you know, kind of a partly cloudy response. Remember, remember in Acts chapter 2 when, when Jesus empowered the archbishops and the... Oh, hang on. 120 people are in the upper room. I, I read the Bible every day. I study the Bible. I reckon I could maybe name 16. 16 out of the 120. There's, there's over 100 people. I don't know who they were. But they weren't the Archbishop of Canterbury. They weren't the Archdeacon of... Jesus came to empower people. The devil was threatened when he saw the power of God working through ordinary people. So the devil told the church that you don't need the Holy Ghost. He's messy. And the church, and church, whatever you do, don't empower people. If you empower people, you'll get a Marco Contreras getting up here and preaching and, and if people are like man is he the is he the main guy today he better be the main guy today that boy can preach but i'm i'm telling you this this year you're you're in a you're in a great house you're in a safe house you're in a house that that wants to 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 empower you so i want you to get this vision card and we've been doing this for gosh i don't know maybe 14 or 15 years maybe longer uh and i i sit down i was just telling young handsome Josiah on the front row here that every year I'll start filling it out and the Holy Ghost will always capture me about halfway through. And he's like, what are you doing? 
so, you know, a, a, you know, as a pastor, I should lead the way. Like, if people see my card empty, like they're gonna. So I've got to write some stuff on here. And he's like, "Why are you writing that?" I'm like, "Well, I don't want to bother you. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be putting demands on you, and <laughs> I'm just." And he's like, "You, who are you? I'm like, I, these are just easy things. Like you could just, you know." And, and the Holy Spirit's like, you really think making something really simple honors God? He says, you insult the Father. Anything that's not of faith is sin. He says, put some, put some stuff on there that requires God to fill the gap. That requires God to fill the gap. Unless God. You know, one of the most beautiful things all the way through the Bible is but God. The most beautiful butt in the world is God's butt. But God, they were surrounded, but God. The enemy came against them, but God. The enemy came in like a, but God. Nebuchadnezzar, but God. They were 400 years under the grip of Pharaoh, but God, but God. We were, while we were yet sinners, God came and died, but God. So put, put stuff on here that requires God to fill in the gaps. Amen. All right, well, come with me in your Bibles. There's, there's five, five times in the Bible where God says to see. Five times. Five is the number of grace. So I just want to very quickly, I've got more points than time because I want to get to, I want to honor the time. And I want you to be able to get prayer over your vision card. In this church, we want you to have a vision for your life. The reason we want you to have a vision for your life is because we want you to see God. The reason we do discipleship is because the Bible says that there's a caveat on the people who get to see God. Matthew 5 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We want you to see God. We want you to see God. And so pure in heart is, is an interesting deal because you can, you can put on the Christian facade. You can bless and highly favored pastor. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. You can go through all of the, the, the externals. God doesn't, God doesn't give a rat's about your externals. Adam and Eve came with, with externals. They came with fig leaves. And God's like, you're all jacked up on the inside. And you think you can on the outside. So we want to empower you, release you. But then if you will just lean in, you can trust the leadership in this house. They're going to call stuff out of you that needs to come out because it's a blockage. You can't see him because of transgression. You can't see him because of iniquity. You can't see him because of offense. But if you'll let great leadership and great disciple get discipleship get in there, they'll remove those obstacles so you'll see God. We want you to see God. We want you to see God. It's important to see God. Oh, I love you. You're so awesome. This is so good. The reason we want you to see God is because you will never see yourself until you see Him. The Bible says our lives are hid in Christ or hid in God in Christ Jesus. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? You're the Christ, Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. That's his biological identity. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. I say that you are Peter. Now that you see me, let me tell you who you are. 
You don't see you till you see him. You don't see him until... All right, anyway, so the first one, so I think the title of my message today is, if we can put it up there, is, there it is, see from heaven's perspective. See from heaven's perspective. All right, strap yourself in. The first one is right there in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1, 29. It says, and God says, this is after God created Adam and Eve. Uh, God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. To you it shall be for food. Genesis 1.26, let us make man. Genesis 1.27, God made man. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, exercise, dominion, fish of the sea, birds of the air, beasts of the field. God puts Adam and Eve in authority. He puts them in the driver's seat. He gives them authority. And the first thing he does in verse 29, he says, now that you have authority, now that you have dominion, now that you have a commission, now that you have a mandate, now that you have assignment, I need you to see. The only way you're going to move forward is you need to see. What do we need to see? He says, I want you to see all around in this garden that every tree, every plant, every herb yields seed. When you look at an orange, you can't see the seed. You see the skin. You see the peel. You see the apple. You see the fruit. You don't see the seed. Vision is different to sight. Sight is seeing what is apparent. Vision is the art of seeing the invisible. The the first thing that God wants you to see is God wants you to see his processes. God wants you to see his processes. God says to Adam, he says, now that I've given you a mission and a mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill... As you sit in this house, God will begin to awaken an awareness of of an assignment, of a destiny, of a greatness that that you with God, through through God all things are possible, that that God has a purpose for your life, that there there is a destiny, there is a God who walks beside you. He didn't just redeem you to kind of wait here at the bus stop till he returns he he saved you he delivered you he he then wants to empower you and then he wants to turn you loose he wants you to bust the devil he wants you to drive the devil out wherever you find him if you find him in the school board you drive the devil out with his crt and lgbtq wherever you find the devil whether it's in government it's the mayor it's the county super wherever we find evil we drive it out he has an assignment for you to 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 fulfill God's assignments you need to understand that you you've got to walk in God's ways God does things different to the world so God says to Adam he says Adam I need you to understand that in every plant that you see whatever you like you can have more of if you eat all the watermelon right can I get more please sir could I have more more if you eat all the watermelon, Adam, don't be, don't be belching under a tree asking me to make another one. You can have as much or as little. I've put it in your hand. Adam was in a garden. He was created in a wilderness and placed in a garden. The garden had a perimeter. Adam's job was to not just fill the earth with sons and daughters of God, Adam's job was as he was filling the earth with sons and daughters of God, 
was to also go to the edge of the garden where garden met wilderness. Take the seeds from the garden. The Bible says that the Lord walked in the cool of the garden. We know from scripture the enemy dwells in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. His job, his assignment was to take the seed from the garden and plant it in the soil of the wilderness to decrease the devil's territory, to increase God's territory. And he does it through the process of seed. Everything God does, he does through seed time and harvest. Everything begins as a seed and moves to harvest. Everything. This is called the processes of God. The problem is, the problem is most Christians, they get saved, they get born again. They'll sit in a house where there is no empowerment or if there, if there is some empowerment, they then try to outwork that empowerment with the weapons of this world. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not worldly. They're not carnal. They are mighty in God, mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. If we're going to fulfill God's plans, God, the first thing God says, I need you to see my processes. Pastor Colin, when he was up here, spoke about 3, three John, uh, 3 John, 1 John, 3 John, 3 John 1, 3 John 2, something like that. 3 John, that's 3 John. That's 3 John. Beloved, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And Colin said that life is lived from the inside out. Life is lived from the inside out. One of the processes of God, if you, we just became grandparents. And everyone said to me, the best thing about being a grandparent, Hallie, is that you give, get to give the baby back. You get to give the baby back. You play with the baby, you give the baby back. But I, I'm, I'm, I've got to be honest with you. I, I found that difficult. Because you're 25, you're 26. The questions you're asking, tell me. You guys have got no idea what you're doing. So you know what? I'm going to take, mum and I, we've had four of you little rascals. We made all our mistakes. We know what we're doing now, so we're going to take him. We'll raise him. You can come visit him anytime you're like, but we're, we're taking him. And they're like, no, that's not how this works. I'm like, hey. So we became, we became grandparents recently. What's fascinating, what's fascinating is we, we, we followed the, you know, the process when she declared she was pregnant and, and our beautiful daughter-in-law, Aubrey, would you know, give us an update. Right now, you know, the little baby's the size of a bean. Right now, the little baby's the size of a and, and she would just you know, tell us all the way through. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but, but you, a human being, created in the womb, you are created from the inside out. Did you know that? The last thing is all the externals, eyebrows, fingernails the, the but the first thing is your internal or the heart the lungs the liver the kidney you you are, you are created from the inside out because life moves from the inside out so 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 you need to understand the same god of the bible is the same god of biology the same god of science of scripture is science Science always backs up scripture. If you meet a scientist, well, I don't believe in the Bible, just say, you know what? Obviously, you're a little wet behind the ears. But don't worry, you'll catch up. You're just way behind the times. 
all because the same God that wrote the Bible is the same God that created the heavens and the earth and the cosmos. In fact, the two words for life, one of them is bios. And bios is where we get the word biology. The God, the author of life is the author of biology. So you are wise if you learn that life moves from seed to harvest. Life begins from the inside out. Everything moves from the inside out, which tells me that it's it's important what's happening inside. That's why blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let God deal with the inside stuff. We all deal with the external. God wants to do with the internal the third thing you need to understand is that that everything in the kingdom moves from the invisible to the visible from the invisible to the visible I have an iPad that is helping me preach this morning because somebody in their the the inside in the invisible of their mind had a concept what if we can create where you can with your your your, your touch you can move and you can have apps and b- before it existed in the visible it began in the invisible everything in the kingdom moves from invisible to visible everything moves from seed to harvest a seed is an idea let me just say that the reason that God says to Adam see that I've created seed it's for your future is because what you don't see you can't harvest what you don't see you can't actualize everything has to be seen twice everything you have to see it here before you'll see it here if you don't see it here you'll never see it there everything that exists first was seen in here before it was seen there a developer drives by a piece of land by a river and he sees a house he sees a development everything begins in the invisible and moves to the visible don't let the world try and hijack you on trying to operate kingdom things so the first thing you need to see is God's processes. Number two, Exodus 7 verse 1. Exodus 7 verse 1. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. Moses from chapter 3 all the way here for four chapters has been piping off and complaining how God has got the wrong person, how he's unqualified, disqualified, not qualified. He, he is giving God a litany. I can't speak. Behold, I stammer with my lips. I, I can't go to Pharaoh. I can't. I'm, I'm no good. I've done this. And he's giving. And so God, it get, finally, God is fed up. Chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. And Moses is still complaining. <laughs> so in God, God now in chapter 7, verse 1 says, all right. I'm not having another chapter of you whining and complaining, telling me why I can't use you. So God identifies the issue. He says to Moses, Moses, you see all your faults, all your disqualifications. You see all your limitations. You see your past, your mistakes. And because you weren't fathered, you didn't realize that you fail forward in life. The first time you walked, you fell. The first time you tried to ride a bike, you fell. You failed at everything because that's how you, but you didn't have a father telling you to pick yourself up, scratch, dust yourself off and keep going. So I need to right now put on my father hat and I need to say to you, Moses, see, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. You are who I say you are. And until you see who God has made you, 
You, you will have excuses. You will live beneath, you'll live below all that God has for you. Sorry, this thing keeps cutting out on me. You, you will live below what God has for you. Now, you need to understand this. very, very important that you see your identity. It's very important that you see your identity. In, in, in the radio ways, we have AM radio and we have FM radio. And, and they're two different frequencies. Two different frequencies. You need to understand that heaven operates on a different frequency to the earth. God has a different frequency. Okay, some of you are catching it. Let, let, let me explain it this way. In Isaiah 55, God says that your ways aren't my ways. Neither are your thoughts my thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts greater than your thoughts. In other words, God is trying to say, you're AM and I'm FM. Or I'm AM, you're FM. Whichever, knock yourself out. He's not worried. He's just trying to tell you that there are two frequencies here. The two frequencies we see played out in Scripture, where God comes and He says, Moses, Moses. And I believe that God was Latino. When you see Marco up here, you're like convinced. He's beautiful. Great glutes. Because Exodus 3, Moses, Moses. Take the sandals off your feet. For the place, the place where you're standing is, is holy ground. I mean, it just sounds like God, doesn't it? I tell you what, if he wasn't Latino, I definitely know he wasn't Australian. Hey, Moses, Moses. Here, take your flip-flops off, mate. Here, place your standings holy. We know that God is not Australian. <laughs> Marco's saying he wasn't Russian. Moses, Moses, take sandals off your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. I mean, I love Russian. Everything sounds like a threat, doesn't it? I mean, everything sounds threatening. I like to drink coffee. Oh, oh, oh okay. Quick, get him coffee. Get him coffee. Vladimir, coffee's coming. Don't kill anybody. Anyway, now you got me all sidetracked. So God comes to Moses and he says to Moses, he tells Moses that he's seen the oppression of his people in Egypt, 400 years of oppression. And God says, behold, I have come down to deliver them. And Moses is like, go God, come on. And he says, and so I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I'm sending you to Pharaoh and you're going to command him to let my, the, the clock, his time is over. I'm bringing my people out of bondage. It's 400 years. They're coming out. And with a mighty hand, I will deliver them. God is speaking to Moses in the frequency of destiny. But watch Moses. Moses' response is, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Moses responds with identity. God speaks in the language of destiny. 
But we operate on the frequency of identity. God comes to Gideon in a wine press. Gideon, you mighty man of valor, go in this might of yours and you shall, shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And Gideon responds and says, but who am I that I should? I, I, indeed, I'm the least in my father's house and my father's house is the least in all of our clans and our clan is the least in all the tribes and our tribe is the least in he, God is speaking to Gideon of destiny, but he responds with identity. And until you come to a place, until you come to a place where you begin to see yourself through a heaven perspective, when you begin to see who God has made you. And let me just tell you, the great war on this generation is a war around identity. Satan knows if whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. The first thing a child trafficker does, the first thing a human trafficker does is takes away your identity. They will make sure that if you have any identification papers, passport, driver's license, whatever, they will take it and they hold it because the devil knows whoever holds your identity controls your destiny. Do not give your identity to the devil. Do not let the world, the spirit of this world, shape your identity. You go to God. You go to God. You come to church on a Sunday morning. If it's 17 degrees and the slippery roads, you drive to the house of God. When people say, man, you're crazy driving to the house of God, say, I need to go to the house of God because I need to see. What do you need? I need to see who God has made me. I need to see his vision. I need to see his identity. I need to see the destiny that he's got for my life. Number three. Oh, dear God. Time, time, time. Number three, number three, number three, number three, number three. Number three, go, go forward to, to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, it says this. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, everyone's looking at Jericho and it's, it's an impregnable fortress. For 40 years, the king of Jericho has consulted when they heard what God did to Egypt, what when they heard what God did by parting the Red Sea. He knew that they were coming this way. He knew the prophecy was that the land of Canaan in which Jericho dwells, it's the first city as you cross the Jordan. He knew that that was destined to go to Israel, but he wasn't giving it up. The devil doesn't give stuff up. So he gets his finest engineers, his finest architects, his finest construction crew, and he says, how do we? And they said, sir, we believe that we can create a compound so impregnable that there's no human technology that they can defeat us. So Jericho was securely shut up. The walls were so high and so thick that they had apartments in the walls. Remember Rahab, the harlot, she, she, her home was in the wall. The walls were so high and thick that chariots could race around on top. It was, it was a fortress. It was a compound. Joshua comes and the Spirit of God doesn't say, hey, it's difficult. Just go around it. God says to Joshua, as a leader, son, you don't have the privilege of having the same narrative and commentary as others. The prerequisite for leadership is vision. The only time Jesus spoke about leadership, he mentioned vision. He says, if the blind lead the blind, will they not both fall into a ditch? 
Therefore, leadership requires vision. And he says to Joshua, Joshua, I need you to see. Because if Joshua looks, he sees impregnable. God isn't asking him to look. He's asking him to see. And he says, Joshua, I need, to, I need you to see. Seeing is what happens when your eyes are closed. He says, I need you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. I need you to see the king, his crown toppled from his head, groveling on his knees, begging for a merciful death. You need to see the mighty men vanquished and chained, begging for a merciful death. I need you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand. Because let me just tell you this, you cannot conquer what you do not see God has given you authority over. You'll remain addicted to alcohol until you see that God has given you authority over it. You'll remain addicted to pornography until you see that God has given you authority over it. You'll remain addicted to gambling, to, to lust, to anger, to poverty, to poverty mindsets. You, you, you will remain in bondage to everything that you see has power over you. But when you see that God has given you authority over something, you'll conquer it. You need to see territory taking, conquering. Number four, I can hear the, the keys. I got five. I got to move quick. Number four, number four. First Kings 17 verse 9. First Kings 17 verse 9. Elijah has just prophesied a drought. A drought's hit the land. He's been by the brook Cherith. Ravens feed him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. But the Bible says it came to pass that the, because of the drought, the brook dried up. It came to pass the brook dried up. It came to pass that his, his income stream, his provision stream dried up. That the flow became a trickle. The economy was changing. What was once sustaining him no longer sustains. I need you to understand you may lose a source of provision, but you're not like people in the world. You have a God whose nature is provide. One of the names is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and in seeing provides. The scripture says that he opens his hand and satisfies every living thing. So even though the, the source was, was drying up, Elijah still has a provider. And God says to Elijah, he says, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So Elijah gets up as the Lord t tells him. And he goes down to Zarephath. And we know the story. When he gets to Zarephath, he looks. And just as he enters the gates of the city of Zarephath, there is a widow dressed in her, her mourning garments she's dressed in her husband has just died she's wearing black she's gathering sticks and he looks and he sees oh my gosh God spoke to me about a widow there's a widow coincidence let's test it hey woman please would you get me a little cup of water she goes okay he says well this must be her if in a drought she knows where water is this must be the one God spoke to me he says oh and also while you get me some water can you make me a little cake I haven't eaten since breakfast now she stops 
And she turns around, she says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have a little cake to give you. I've got enough flour and enough oil for one last cake. And then me and my son, you're not invited. Me and my son are going to eat it and then we're going to die. Right there, I'd be like, I'm so sorry, lady. I got you confused. Is Mrs. Gates here? Did Bill die? Is Mrs. Mrs. Buffett here? Did Warren get hit by a bus? I'd be thinking I got the wrong, the wrong. But Elijah, Elijah knew. Elijah knew he was okay. He was okay. God wasn't sending Elijah there for him. God didn't send Connor and Melissa here for them. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid, woman. Go and do exactly what you said. Go and bake that cake. But bring me a small piece of it first. I need to take you back to Genesis 1.29, God's processes. If you will honor the Lord with the first fruits, if you will put God first, your vats will overflow, your barns will be... So the Bible says she knows she's got one last cake and then she's going to eat it and then die. Death and life are here. She decides, why not trust God? Why not step out? The Lord had already commanded in her heart. So she makes a cake and she brings it to Elijah. Elijah eats the cake. She gets up the next morning and she looks. That's funny. There's some flour in there. She looks at the jar. That's funny. There's oil. She makes... There just happens to be enough for one more cake. She's about to, and then she stops the sun. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Is the man of God awake? Oh, he's still sleeping. Okay, well, we're not eating until he's eaten. So let's make a small cake. And she brings it. Man of God, man of God, time to get up. I'm tired. Doesn't matter, we're hungry. And I ain't eating till you've eaten. So the poor guy, he's like, man, I'm, you know, I'm trying to cut down on my cake. She's like, doesn't matter, you got to eat. Because we want to. If you read the story, which we always encourage, it says she and her entire household ate for many... Hang on, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. What happened to me and my son? She and, and her household. All of a sudden, she's got like second cousins twice removed. She's got all this family that are all coming over. You know, she's like, you know... Are we related? And you know, little run, she's like, oh yeah, yeah, you I am your long distant cousin. I've come all the way from India just to be here in a farm. She's like, Shh. This year, I want you to see God's provision. See God's provision. Just look a little high. You know, the, the one thing that Jesus said to his disciples, continue, lift up your eyes. Because what we do with provision, if I talk to you about provision, you'll say, yeah, my boss, my company, my paycheck. No, 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 no. Above your boss, above your company, above your paycheck, seated on a throne in inapproachable light. The Bible says when he looks to his left, there is no other. When he looks to his right, there's none that compare. 
He sits on a throne. He is over the heavens and the earth. Heaven is his home. The earth is his footstool. See your see him as your provider. The last one, number five. Last one, number five. Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10. Jeremiah is about 12, maybe 13 years of age. God calls him, says, you're going to be a prophet. He comes back to God. Me, I'm too young. God's saying, this is destiny. Jeremiah responds with identity. Remember how we were talking about that? So God then puts forth his hand, verse 9. The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now watch this. Here it comes. See. See. I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. His word in your mouth sets you over. The one thing the devil doesn't want you to see is authority and dominion. The Bible says that everything was created through the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. All things were made for Him and all things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. But everything was made by the Word of God. Everything is held together by the Word of God. That's why a son of a carpenter can be asleep in a storm and experienced fishermen cannot get rid of the water. They cannot, they cannot move the water that is filling the boat and causing it to sink out. They cannot displace it quick enough. So they wake the carpenter saying, we need an extra pair of hands. But the carpenter does something different. He stands up and he says, peace, be still. Immediately everything stops. Why? Because all of creation responds to the word of God. That's why the disciple says, who is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. The earth was created by the word of God and it responds to the word of God. The reason we saw many, many churches fold and go under in 2020 wasn't because of the pandemic. It was because the pandemic exposed that they had drunk from the liquor cabinet of Woketopia where they moved away from the word of God. All the, all the churches that kept preaching the word of God was sustained because God watches over his word to perform it. He doesn't watch over my reader's digest. He doesn't watch over my interpretation of it. He doesn't watch over my, he watches over his word. Doesn't watch over my word. He watches over his word. Therefore, I've come to a, a conclusion that if I want to be a powerful instrument of heaven in the earth, I need to speak heaven's word. Why does man rule over the animal kingdom? I can't flip a bull elephant. I can't defeat a, a, a lion in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I can't outrun a cheetah. And yet man rules over the animal kingdom. It's because God gave man a mouth. God created you in his image and his likeness. God said, let there be light, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness so that we can put our word in his mouth so he can say, and it is so. And so he can say, and it is so. You are at your most powerful when his word is in your mouth. Three times the devil attacked Jesus in the wilderness and three times Jesus defeated the devil. How did he do it? I'm glad you asked. He said, hey, devil, it is written. 
second temptation. Hey, devil, it is written. Third temptation. All the kingdoms and their glory and their splendor, all these are mine. I can give them to it if you just bow down. Hey, devil, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God. Three times, Jesus. He says, I don't even need to come up with anything new, devil. Because I'm modeling for, for the people how they can defeat you. And all they need to do is they just need to get my word. They just need to take what is written and begin to declare it. They just need to take what is written and begin to prophesy. They just need to declare what is written and begin to speak it. And the devil flees. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm over time. Would you lift, lift your, your, your vision builder's card? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fall on hearts, fall on lives today. I want you today to, to fill out your card. In this church, listen, we, we see the most extraordinary miracles, the most extraordinary breakthroughs. Jesus died on a cross, yes, to redeem you from your sin, 100%. But He doesn't just save you and leave you. Jesus said to his saved disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And they're like, but I, I thought you told us to go into all the world. He goes, I know I told you to go and I still want you to go, but I also want you to wait. Well, like, well, which one is it? Do we go or do we wait? He goes, both, both. How do we do both? You'll learn it. Your go is only as good as your wait. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm called to go into San Diego, go into, but I wait on the Lord every day. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. You shall receive power. In this house, in this house, we want you to see God's power turn up. We want you to see God's power. We want you to experience God's power. The way that that happens is right on your vision card. What do you believe in God for? Maybe loved ones who are away from God. It might be a son or daughter away from God. Maybe you had a negative diagnosis. Maybe you've been told that you've got, you know, diabetes or you've got heart disease or you've only got a few years to live or, or maybe you've come from tragedy or trauma or difficulty. You've lost a home. You've lost a business. You've, you know, you've suffered loss. Maybe you've gone through a horrific divorce and your heart is broken or betrayal. Or, I want you to, to take your vision card and say, Lord, in 2024, I, I don't know how I can do this, but I know that with you in my life, I can own a home again. I can find love again. I can start a company again. I can learn from those mistakes and, and do a better job this time. My, my, my mom and dad can get saved. My, my son, my daughter can come back. Every year we do this and every year I get to the end of the year and it blows my mind working. He just needs permission. See, the Bible says that God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. Faith is putting something on here. Faith is putting something that you can't do that only God through you can do. What are those things? Heavenly Father, today begin to speak to hearts, begin to speak to lives. Let people know that when they walked into this house, they walked into, they just entered into the greatest chapters, the greatest pages the greatest yet-to-be-told stories of how good God was, how good God is in and through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. 
Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.